A I N M E N U Main Menu Main Menu Main Menu Greetings everyone and welcome to Main Menu for the 22nd of July 2016. I am your co-host Jason Castingway. Well, on this show, we're going to start out with something near and dear to my heart, and it has to do with audio. CAVI, the Cisco Academy for the Visually Impaired, is offering a new course called Audio Ins and Outs. If there are any listeners who want to contribute but feel nervous about what kind of audio they can provide, this may be something of interest. We interview Jessica and Derek from CAVI, and they tell us all about what you can learn in the three modules that comprise this one course. After the interview, we're going to play the promo they created for this course. We felt it was a great demonstration of how, once you complete the course, you too will have the ability to create well-mastered professional pieces of art. Finally, we're going to continue with the Information Access Committee 411 workshop from last week. This time we get a little into the involvement ACB has with tech companies. Enjoy the show, everyone. But before we begin, we have a brief announcement. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Main Menu, everyone. With me, I have Derek Lane and Jessica Silva from CAVI, the Cisco Academy for the Visually Impaired. Also co-hosting with me is Janine Stanley, and we are going to talk about a course offered by CAVI called Audio Ins and Outs. Before I get carried away trying to explain it, why don't I let one of you describe it? Audio Ins and Outs is basically a course for people that want to learn audio in all aspects. Everything from basically how to make their music sound better, how to identify problems with their audio so that they can, you know, fix it themselves or have someone else do it for them who may be into the geekery behind such things, all the way to people who want to do sort of long-form podcasts and interviews like uh, the kinds of things you hear on Main Menu or to the people who do music creation and editing and mixing and mastering and you know production and things like that there's something for everyone in the course because of the way it's divided up but you know i'm sure we'll get to that yes it sounds like one course but there are three distinct items that you described so the course itself is actually three different modules um it's put under one course or one band i guess but it is three distinct different modules and each module can be taken independently of each other or all as one big bundle. And so what we try to tell people is that, you know, you take the essentials module if obviously you know nothing about audio whatsoever and you want to start from the beginning or if you want to freshen up some things and your basic knowledge of audio essentials. Uh, that is very important before getting into the recording and guts of things. And after that, of course, we have... Um, you know, the single track and the multi-track modules, which both use different programs respectively. So that's great. What requirements are there before someone takes the course? Well, you need to be reasonably proficient with a Windows computer. And the reason we say Windows is because the software we teach runs under Windows. And so, of course, it's 
important that everyone's kind of on the same page in terms of the software ran. Mm -hmm. We have articles on the Cisco Vision website, on Cavi's website, which will help people become familiar with TeamTalk, which is a voice chat piece of software, which is what we're using today, actually. Um, and the advantage to TeamTalk is that it has incredibly high fidelity, and you can do real-time chats with someone, even in stereo, so that all the subtleties of, you know, an example of audio that we may be demonstrating, like an effect or something, you know, come through. Mm -hmm. And if you've got all that stuff down, then you're pretty much set. It's also noted that you need to be able to, you know, manage files, move files around, things like that, because we have assignments and projects and demos that we like to both see from our students and also give our students in order to work alongside with us. And so being able to use things like Dropbox and Windows Explorer and all that is very essential to a course like this. Now, I'm thinking of our listeners, and I know there are those who want to contribute to Main Menu, and I'm thinking of techniques for recording in terms of getting rid of mic noise, uh, just all sorts of stuff. I'm sure that's covered as well, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. We talk about different type of microphones that people may use for different applications. We show off use cases of where those microphones are used properly, and for uh the entertainment of some improperly. Hmm. <laughs> we have discussions where we talk about where's the best place to put your microphone in your space. What kinds of things can you do for the cheap with a little bit of ingenuity to make recording space sound better, even if it means tilting a cardboard box filled with foam sideways and putting your microphone in it to dampen room reflections and things like that. We, we talk about monitoring the importance of hearing what you're recording in as high quality as possible and ways to do that without breaking the bank. So even in the fundamentals, well, we used to call it fundamentals. The whole thing used to be called fundamentals. But even in what's essentially the audio essentials module, there's tons of stuff packed into that one alone, even for just the avid music listener. Wow. Uh, I was thinking if I took the course, I might pass that one, but I don't think I want to do that now. This sounds quite, uh, <laughs> like you said, a lot of stuff packed in there that will be very useful. But that does bring me to how would one pass a class or know what to take? Single and multi-track and this and that and all these terms may be a little daunting. What if you know what you want to do? but have no idea where to even start or what kind of track, single track, multi-track, off-track, Amtrak, oh my God, lots of track. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what if all that's a problem? Uh, well, when people fill out an application, one of the instructors, that being myself, Jessica, or guy from the uh, good old UK, his name's Justin McLeod, nice guy, really, um, he will, uh, one of us will contact you and we'll set up an interview. We'll find out what you know and what you want to know and help place you. If you think you know your stuff and you don't want to take audio essentials and you want to just roll with a single or multi-track, that's perfectly cool. We'll ask you to fill out kind of a placement test just to make sure you know what you know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can go from there. 
So as part of the application process, then, um, are there prerequisites that you need to have, system requirements, things like that, that you'll need to have to take the course? Um, well, you definitely need a Windows uh, machine uh, or at least access to one because even though uh, there is audio editing software and a lot of what we teach can be non-program specific, you know, and therefore you can use it on the Mac and things like that. We don't teach on the Mac because the programs that we use either aren't accessible on the Mac yet or aren't as accessible on the Mac. Um, there are being some developments with Reaper for the Mac that will make it that way, but we're not quite there yet. So we're teaching everything in a Windows environment. So everybody has to either have Windows or have access to Windows. And that's very important because we do have a few students who come in here, oh, I want to use my Mac. And uh, you can use your Mac as long as you can get to a Windows environment. I think you just uh, pretty much nailed me right there. <laughs> that doesn't matter which version of Windows you have. No. Not really. Uh, Reaper, which is the multi-track DAW or digital workstation we use, will work under everything from XP up. Goldwave, which is what we primarily use for the single track editing stuff, has versions which I think are still supported, which will go back that far. So if you have Windows, you'll be fine. Great. Software and yeah, with the software, great. Now, let's talk about the hardware. What kind of hardware is someone going to need? Um, I think ooh, that's that's always kind of a hard one to answer because, you know, you can come in here with a pretty decent setup. You know, I'd say what, Derek, how what about the RAM? What do you say? Um, like any decent modern machine. Yeah. So, you know, anything from I mean, I've seen people successfully complete the course on a netbook. Yeah. Have they enjoyed the process? Not really. Did they turn in good work? Yeah, they had to struggle to get there, but they, they could do it. So if it can run your screen reader, which we recommend the use of NVDA, just as a random aside, if it can run your screen reader with some headroom, so no sluggishness or anything like that, then chances are you're going to be fine. Now, with that being said, um, you know, there are the question comes up of, do I need a mixer? Do I need an interface? What is a mixer? What is we answer all of these questions about what is, you know, what are all these things? And to start the course, you do not need a mixer or an interface. Nope. You do need, however, a microphone in case you want to talk and ask a question. And you do need some headphones so that you don't put us broadcasting all over your speakers and loop everything back into, you know, into itself and everybody hears feedback. Um, so that's important to have. So, you know, just kind of some basic things like that. But, you know, the questions about mixers and interfaces and microphones are all answered in the essentials course. And so should you want a mixer, should you want an interface, it's things that we help you decide. You know, all you want to do is take some tapes and put them on your computer because you have some things that you've recorded years and years ago and you want to digitize that before the tapes oxidize and so on. Or maybe all you have is a, a good keyboard that you'd like to record the audio from and maybe overdub you singing a song and some harmonies and things like that. You know, we can recommend the kinds of interfaces and things like that which you may find advantageous to get. If you're doing a big show or some sort of live thing where you want access to all kinds of effects 
or to be able to use physical buttons and knobs on a device called a control surface to control various aspects of the sound you're editing on your computer, things like that. We can make those kinds of recommendations. So for someone who has never taken a CAVI course before, can you tell us a little bit about the course process? What I've signed up, I've qualified for the course, I've paid my money, now what happened? <laughs> well, um, basically what happens before even payment happens is that we, as we previously mentioned, we interview you. So we figure out what it is you want to do with this course. Um, you know, what kind of possessed you to take the course, as it were? What reasons you have for, for wanting to learn the things that are taught in this course? And then once we've kind of got that, and if you're still interested, then obviously we have you pay no later than the beginning of when, when classes start for this semester, it will be the 15th of August, um, because that's Monday. The first Monday. working Monday of yeah. the class. That's when the <laughs> classes start up. So, um, you know, we, we have that um, going on. And basically, you know, that's pretty much all we do. We keep, we keep in contact with you guys until then to let you guys know of any servers or team talk servers or any information that you'll need uh credentials obviously to the wiki which will have all of your course notes and all of your podcast lectures and the credentials for the podcast lectures so we will definitely keep in communications with you before and while the class is still in session and of course you do have support with your instructors and there are three of us so and an additional layer of support comes from, this is so on the audio course, but also on CAVI courses as well, there's an audio discuss list that you're added to. And so not only are all the instructors on audio discuss, but other class members and alumni of the class as well. So when you are asking a question on audio discuss, you are polling a group of people who have taken the class along with you and who are also taking the class with you. Great. That sounds like a lot of support. Now, is this a self-paced class or is this a class where you actually have to be there and attend in real time? How does that all work? So it is a bit of both. And what I mean by that is that all three modules is going to take anywhere from 16 to 20 weeks, depending on how slow or fast everybody goes. So that's for all three modules. It is self-paced in that uh, if you cannot attend at the time that the classes are in real life, in real time rather, you can download the podcast archives and follow along, you know, on a different day of the week. Uh, the only thing that makes this course kind of not self-paced uh, is that you do have homework and things that we encourage you to turn in so that you can learn the things that we teach in the, the different demos that we teach in the different lectures and the different core objectives in each module that we teach. But, you know, if you can't attend for some reason on that specific day because you have work or because it's just too crazy in your time zone, uh, there are podcasts and we do have classes once a week. So you do have the entirety of a week to catch up on the podcast and catch up with your assignments. One thing that's really important to know is that you can actually influence the time the class is held by filling out the application early. It's impossible to make everyone in the world happy, but it is possible for us to make most people happy in terms of scheduling. But for us, while Cavi is sorting things and 
sorting schedules and stuff. To be able to be successful in accommodating people, we need to know what people want. We need to know from what part of the world most of our class is coming from so that we can schedule the schedule accordingly. So if you want to influence the schedule, please fill out an application. Now, is there a maximum size for the class? What nope. if you get, you know, a zillion people signed it? That would be awesome. But... There is no maximum size. <laughs> the minimum size, though, is that there needs to be 10 students in order for a course to run. So if you guys want this course to run, sign up. It's also encouraged to stay with the class as much as possible because when people pass the course, they get sort of an unlocked part of the wiki that opens up to them with more advanced resources, kind of the, okay, well, you're this cool, so you can, you know, for more information, check these links out to various topics that we've covered in greater detail. Plus, you also, as a member who've successfully completed the audio course, ins and outs, you get to stay on all the lists and you get to show up in future semesters. So let's say... Reaper has an update or there's a new plugins series that comes out, which, you know, revolutionizes the way certain aspects of audio can be done. Because you've taken and passed audio IO, at any future point, you could show up to any of the lectures to get that updated info absolutely free. Oh, wow. Now, see, that would be worth it right there, I think. <laughs> and, um, unfortunately, my, my work schedule is going to cut me out of this particular round. However, um, do you folks do these courses on a regular basis in terms of, uh, I see the caveat announcements all the time, but this is, I think, the first time I've seen this bundle out there. Well, this is the first time it's existed. This is it. If oh. someone shows up, they are on the front end. They're starting with us. The way it used to work was we had the course called Audio Fundamentals, and some people were turned off by that. Oh, I already know everything, man. I'm cool. I got my, I can make my mix CDs, and I can <laughs> play my MP3 files, and I can record. Hello? Hello? This is me making a recording. I'm really cool. Hello, microphone. You know, and they're awesome, right? Wrong. No. Um... <laughs> Wow, you heard me in high school, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> or they do really sad things like, and, you know, this doesn't make them bad people. It just makes us cry a little inside, right? Because they'll do this cover track and they may have their backing track playing through their iPhone speaker recorded by the side they're singing into. And it's like, no, if you could just take the class, it's we could make that kind of thing so much nicer to do. Yeah. In all way. <sighs> um, and then some people, knowing what the Audio Fundamentals class actually would cover because they took it and found it very rewarding, but it was still a lot to learn. Plus, not everybody cares about single track editing. Not everybody cares about multi-track editing because it's more than some people need. And so because we were trying to get everything for everyone in one semester... There was always sort of a weak point in doing that. As much as we tried for things to be otherwise, there was still a crack or two that would form from time to time. And so we decided, okay, that's it's no good. Let's make this even cooler. We've got the resources. We've got the people. We've got the enthusiasm. 
let's bring it home to as many people who wants it as possible and split this up. Wow, and I like actually splitting it up. I have heard people who took the audio fundamentals course and who really loved it, but said it was a lot of information. And uh, as they were explaining it, I said, oh, it's fundamentals, I don't need that, la la la. And as they went on, I thought, wow, I could really use that refresher. <laughs> so this whole package sounds wonderful. Where can people learn, get more information and actually begin the whole sign up process? So you can read all about the course and what the details of what it offers and things by going to cavi.xyz slash audio IO. And that is a direct link right there to the course. It even has, um, I think the application is there uh, for people to apply. It has the uh, course syllabus, as it were, the details of what we're going to teach, everything that we're going to teach. Um, and so that's where you can find information on it. And oh, you can wow. also email us at audio-instructors at ciscovision.org. Uh -huh. And so that's Cavi, C-A-V as in Victor, I. Dot X-Y-Z forward slash audio I-O. Aha. Uh -huh. Fabulous. There's, there's this inside joke running among us as we're preparing for the class, you know, audio I-O or audio I-O. <laughs> <laughs> Time. <laughs> I just keep thinking of old McDonald had a farm. You have yeah, to, that's you know, the you idea. Work yeah. that in there somewhere. <laughs> oh goodness, Jason, do you have any more um, questions or anything our listeners might be dying to know? Well, um, I know from my own experience that once you open that audio rabbit hole, there is just so much to learn and so much money to spend. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So I'm just I'm feeling excited about all the ideas that are going to be in this course, I'm sure, and all the students asking questions bring on more ideas. One thing I wanted to discuss real quick is the pricing. Sure. Oh yeah, sure. So the pricing um is as follows. It's one big course, but it's divided into three different modules so that in case you only wanted to take, you know, one or two modules or all the above, you could pay for just the models you want modules, sorry, you wanted to take. So audio fundament or I'm sorry, audio essentials. I'm so used to the old name. I'm so sorry. <laughs> audio essentials uh is fifty dollars on its own. Gold Wave, which is a single track module, is $100 on its own. And Reaping with Osara, which is the multi-track uh, module where we use Reaper and Osara, which is its overlay plugin, is also $100. So that's $250 for all three. However, if you decide to take all three as a bundle, you can take the bundle of Audio Essentials, Gold Wave, and Reaper for just $200 one-time payment. Pass it and have lifetime access to all the updated resources for free. That's fabulous. And as you can tell, I'm speechless. <laughs> that, is, that is really quite a bargain. And these with everyone creating their own podcasts and things like that, I think it's pretty essential to have some of the knowledge that you folks are providing for people because, boy, I've heard some horrible podcasts out there. Luckily, ours is not one of them. But <laughs> That's correct. I love it. You guys have a very smooth sound. I'm a fan. I've, oh, I've enjoyed it. Much. And, you know... Let's, I'm just going to, you know, the views and opinions expressed on this podcast aren't even of those of main menu caviar or anybody but me. In my experience, a lot of us are audio snobs. Even if we don't have any aspirations of doing any production, we like stuff that sounds good. And I personally am guilty of judging when something doesn't 
And so you could have the most amazing content, but if it sounds like it's coming from the digital equivalent of a micro cassette recorder, it's not very pleasing to listen to over an extended period of time. Yes, or coming from someone's bathroom. That's one of my, <laughs> are you in a public bathroom? Oh my goodness, no, it's just that echo thing that goes mm -hmm. on. And and I, I know I hear mainstream podcasts and I think, didn't, didn't anybody listen to this first? <laughs> yeah, so I think we, we have become snobs over the years, just like with readers and anything else, you know. Um, but luckily, Kay has a solution for that. So let's give that website one more time. C-A-V-I dot X-Y-Z forward slash audio I-O. That is correct. That's it. You got it. Whoa. Now, see, I'm going to do the O-H-I-O. Oh, and we'll leave that for anyone who knows the Ohio State Buckeyes. Jason's laughing. He's going to edit that part out. You wait and see. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, thank you so much, Derek and Jessica, for joining us. And thanks, Jason, my valiant co-host here, putting up with uh, all the craziness. And hopefully we will get some more wonderfully talented audio files to contribute main menu. It's been our pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. Whether you are a cover singer, podcaster, voiceover artist, a musician, producer, DJ, radio presenter, field recordist, sound designer, or whether you just love sound and can't get enough of it, Cowie's new audio ins and outs course has something for you, whatever your level of audio experience. Covering more ground in more depth than previous courses, Audio Ins and Outs has three modules. The Audio Essentials module, where we'll show you the difference between zero DBFS and zero crossings, flanging and phasing, contact and condenser microphones, and how to proceed as fast as possible from sounding like this to sounding like this. The Single Track module, ideal for podcasters and editors. This module shows you how to get the most out of a single track audio editor. We'll be using Goldwave because it's affordable and easy to use. Before long, we'll be creating cue sheets, adding effects, making inaudible edits, running batch processes, and probably learning what they are, mixing in music, and much more. The Reaping with Asara module. This module will provide a comprehensive tour of Reaper and all the possibilities its multi-track environment offers. From effects chains and routing, to laying down multiple takes and truly non-destructive editing, produce your own audio drama, perform an acapella cover, or mash it up like a boss. Because the course is modular, once we know you've got the basics down, you can pick and choose what you take. Audio Essentials costs $50. Single track editing costs $100. Reaping with Osara costs $100. Or since we'll be covering everything in more depth than ever before, why, why not, not take, take all three? three? And receive a 20% discount. There'll be lectures, study groups, demonstrations, assignments so you can track your progress, and most importantly, one-on-one -on -one support when you need it. So visit kavi.xyz slash audio IO and sign up before August 12th to avoid disappointment. Take, Take your, your audio, audio journey, journey to the, the next, next level. level. So, you're going to see a number of tech companies here, as you did last year, as you did the year before, and as you will next year, that are tech companies, and we're engaged with all of them in one form or another. Some of them under um, agreements with government, some of them under agreements strictly ACB and those companies, and some of them under um, legal obligation. Okay? Um, it's do it or pay the penalty kind of thing. 
Okay? So we do this with the different companies. So I'm going to pick on them and go through them and ask my fellows up here to add to what I'm saying about these relationships. We are going to be giving an award this year to a, a little company yes. by the name of Apple. Apple. Did they deserve an award for what they've done yes. for us? Yes. But at first they weren't. So I will tell you I've been doing this kind of work for more than 30 years. And so one of the first systems I ever had to learn to use was one of the earliest Mac, Mac computers. And I had to buy a third-party product from a company called Berkeley Systems. And I used something called Outspoken as my way of doing it. And at that time, anyway, I also uh, had to teach low-vision people, so I also did um, Enlarge. And I also used an Opticon on it for InTouch. And unfortunately, Berkeley Systems, what happened to them? They went out of business. And did Apple run over and buy all those things to make them available to us? No. Nope. Took a long time before Apple got back on the bandwagon in any fashion. And when they did, they did it big time. They put a no extra charge screen reader and a no extra charge screen magnification into their operating system on the Mac. And for that, that alone, they deserve an award in my opinion. Add to that what they've done in the iOS ecosystem, right? They again gave us a screen reader and gave us a screen magnifier and many other things for other people with other types of disabilities. And what did they charge us for that? Nothing. Nothing. So they get the idea that accessibility ought to be a built-in experience. Anybody here use Android devices? Android phones? Okay. And is there a free screen reader for that? Yes. Is there a free screen magnifier for that? Yes. Uh, I do say to my friends who are, are Android phone users that they've got more time in their day than I do in mine because it's kind of the wild west of accessibility, right? You have to know what you're doing, I think, more on an Android device than to perform the same function on an iOS device. Personal opinion, not committee opinion. Do we have any Android users on the committee? I do not think we do currently. So if you're a big-time Android person, you know, like they say in the military, do we have a job for you? <laughs> We'd love to have a good, solid, everyday user of Android accessibility to add to our committee. We also um, are going to see a few changes in the third big company in this triumvirate. Who's, who are they? Amazon. I'll get to Amazon as my fourth. I should say the third of four, and that's Microsoft. Is Microsoft at this convention? Yes, they are. They're going to be meeting with in focus groups, uh, and they are a major sponsor of this convention. So, that, if you will, they're putting their money where their mouth is. Now, if you spend much time reading tech news-oriented things and you also read things about accessibility, then without me violating my NDA, you can put a few things together, don't you think? How many, 
How, what's Microsoft doing in terms of hiring people who know about accessibility and bringing them onto their teams? They are, they've more than quadrupled and expect to do a tenfold increase. There's currently more than 50 open jobs at Microsoft in accessibility. Their issue is finding people. But they've said that they are going to do many things for ACB and for the blindness community. And the first changes are, if you're an... Anybody in here use Windows 10? And what did you have to do to use Windows 10 as a screen reader user? You had to not use the Edge browser. Is that true? That's true. I don't think you'll be able to say that come January 1. Two, you probably struggled a bit using originally. There have been upgrades in the interim. Um, the email client that's in it. That's getting progressively better. There have been at least five upgrades in that in terms of its accessibility. And you can expect more by January 1. Then you have this whole business of narrator. Okay? Those of you who have used Narrator, what's your opinion? So the answer probably is what you would read if you went to the Microsoft web page and asked the question. And that is that Narrator is not intended to be your screen reader. It's intended to allow you access to the to the system sufficient to set it up and get it started and to access certain um, built into the operating system features like being able to go through control panel, that kind of thing. Okay. But it is not intended to be the screen reader for using Word or Excel, any of those things. That has not been its role up to this time. And in fact, ACB is partially responsible for that. Uh, back, when, uh, back when I took my first trip on behalf of ACB to Microsoft headquarters out in Redmond, all the discussion was, do we want this company to insert a full-featured screen reader in the operating system, or do we want to use third-party developers to do that? And at that time, it was ACB's belief that we would get more out of third-party companies going back and forth. I can do this. Oh, well, I can do that, and I can do this other thing. And there'd be the competition between them that would drive features to become better and better and better over time. And to some degree, I think that that's been true. Take a look at what GW Micro has done that Freedom Scientific has tried to do one better, and vice versa. Zoom text and magic in the world of screen magnification. Certainly, they've leapfrogged one another over the years. But when Apple came out with voiceover and Zoom, 
we saw another way to get the, get the job done. And that was that if the company embedded the screen reader and embedded the screen magnifier so deep into the operating system that they couldn't modify the operating system without modifying the screen reader and screen magnifier, that we would get the experience in a Windows universe that we've come to expect in an Apple universe. When do you think that might happen? January 1 is the goal. Now, I say it's the goal. And from a... Anybody here a programmer? Yeah. Okay. So you programmers know that every piece of software that gets modified eventually gets bogged down by legacy code. And people come and go on the coding teams. And sometimes when they go, with them went how that sucker worked, that little string of code. And so to upgrade things takes quite a bit of doing to do it. So Microsoft is not engaged in simply creating a newer, better navigator or newer, better magnifier. They're engaged in modifying the operating system the screen reader and screen magnifiers, and the entire ecosystem so that they are interdependent on one another. And therefore, when they modify the operating system, they will also have to upgrade and modify what? The screen reader and the screen magnifier. They're going to have to modify, and they are in the process, as you will see, by January 1. Some other things, I can't get specific because of NDA, but I can say in general that there is a very, very strong commitment by Microsoft to meet their internal deadlines to accomplish what I've been describing this afternoon. Microsoft will be addressing the convention as a whole. Okay, because one, one thing I would like to see addressed is they came out with a press release a couple months ago saying we are committed to access, and because we know there are issues, if you are blind and using adaptive technology, we're going to waive the mandatory July 29th upgrade path, and you can upgrade later. But what was never stated in that press release is how those of us who chose to skip the thing would prove that we were blind and therefore able to bypass that. that Good question. And I will tell you that the ACB leadership has already um, asked Microsoft to make a public statement about the how of it. Yes, they have made a commitment on what they're going to do. If you hold back on upgrading to Windows 10, waiting for January 1, then you will get that upgrade without an additional charge. That is a written, legal, binding obligation on the part of Microsoft. We also made sure in that discussion that they realized 
it wasn't our job to figure out how they were going to pull it off. They've got the resources to do pretty much what they want to do, right? Buy a small country, what you say, no problem. So that is, that is absolutely a binding uh, obligation on the part of Microsoft. The, you know, you have to say something about a company who has hired on a person and called them the chief accessibility officer. So in the same way they have a CEO and a COO and a M-O-U-S-E, they have a CAO at the same level of the company. This is not a junior position. Very much not a junior position. She will not be here this year because she has a former obligation. It's called getting married. So she really wasn't willing to give up that to be here this year. But she's made a commitment to be with us next year. Okay. So Microsoft is certainly changing, and we should see that. So we're talking ACB has pretty good relationships with Apple. Go ahead. Sure. Say again. Windows phones. This is the other thing I find very, very interesting. Keep in mind that Windows as an operating system is converging into a central operating system not dissimilar to the Apple operating system. So the same narrator that you will see in Windows 10 desktop, you'll see in Windows 10 tablet and Windows 10 phone. It's an entire ecosystem process. Is that today? By no means. I would say that the Windows phone was a big, big letdown. And it's one of the things that allowed ACB to speak with our colleagues at Microsoft and say, you know, you've missed, missed the... I was thinking baseball metaphors and, you know, you just hit a pitch against the backstop. You missed everybody in not making that phone accessible when the deadlines to make phones accessible was already here and gone before you even released it. So the obligation, again, by Microsoft, the commitment they've made is that the same accessibility experience that we get with Windows desktop, Windows tablet will also be Windows phone. We haven't taken anything off the table. Now, Brian, how does the Windows phone work versus the iPhone once they put accessibility keys in? Don't know. Can't use one. Haven't a clue. And I have to admit a certain thing, right? What percentage of the phone ecosystem? I keep using that for what percentage of smartphones are Windows phones right now? Less than one percent. So it's really not going to be a game changer. But the fact that it's less than 1% doesn't mean that we're going to not hold them to that obligation. Comment in the back?
So, again, it's all a matter of level of accessibility. I'm going to repeat the statement because we couldn't pick it up for the ACB radio folks. And that is that um, uh, a participant here has friends in Colorado who say they're using Microsoft Windows phones and they're able to do email and web browsing, but they're not able to do word processing, editing on them. I'm not aware that such a thing is doable. Doesn't mean it isn't doable for them and under what circumstances. You know, we're so used to using our Apple phones and we get to decide, oh, do you have a GS? Or, you know, what version of the Apple phone do you have, right? But in the world of Android, the variety of hardware is so vast that you can't make a statement that says Android's accessible because Android is scalable, and you can scale it down on some phones to the point that it's barely a phone. Uh, and the same thing may very well be true about Windows-based phones. That because Windows phones operate under Windows CE. Ah, oh, did you hear the word she said? Beta. Did you hear that word? Beta. Beta. Which means you and I can't get it. But they're working on the testing of these. Proof that they're working on it. All right. So I wanted to bring up one other company while we're going through this litany of companies. And that company is Amazon. Amazon. What a crazy group of people they are over there. They are, they're pretty much trying to be the world's company. Right? They'll sell you toilet paper. They'll sell you internet services. They'll sell you music. They'll do. They'll sell you anything that isn't tied down, and they're likely to sell you the ropes to do it with. So, I went to a conference in Washington D.C. called the M Enabling Conference. Anybody here been to it? Okay, very interesting conference. And where did I put it in here? Trying to find which pocket I slid into. Into my bag of tricks. Yep. Oops. Don't hit any keys. No. Shut up. So, you accidentally touch a key and your life can change, right? So, at the conference, I got a chance to speak with a gentleman by the name of Peter Korn. You guys know Peter? Some of you do. So, Peter was one of the programmers that used to work at that company called Berkeley Systems back in the day. And uh, since then, he's worked at uh, Adobe and Oracle and now Amazon. So I, like you, I see these new things that people say out on the list. Oh, I just bought a witch watcha watcha and it's really wonderful and you really need to own one. And then I turned to my bride and said, could I get some extra in my allowance so that I could and it really doesn't happen very often in fact the only reason we have all these echo things is Kim fell in love with them so she got me an echo for Christmas fell in love with it found out there was a tap and tip tap we had a tap and then I said uh, the one thing that you could verbally order through the echo was a dot the smallest version you could simply say, Alexa, buy me an, a dot. And they said, did you want me to buy you a dot? Yes. It'll be delivered in four weeks. 
Are you okay with that? And I say, yes. And bam, it came in the mail. Because you he uses your Amazon Prime account. Okay, now I want one. Oh yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we got all of those things, and then I started hearing about this device called the Fire Tablet. Anybody in the room got one? I hear. I hear one. Now, there are a couple of things that really matter with with respect to this. The biggest thing, and you'll hear me say it over and over again, you can have the best tech in all the world, but if I can't afford to buy it, it is not a game changer. It's a laboratory experiment that I'll never be able to afford. So, the fact is that the tablet I have in my hand cost me $49.95. And it is a true tablet. Don't confuse this. Don't confuse this with a Kindle. A Kindle is a book reader. Just like this refreshable Braille device I was talking about is not a note taker. This is not a Kindle book reader. This is a Fire tablet for 50 bucks. It came with 8 gig of RAM, but being me, I'm always subject to, you know, to, uh, what do they call that when you buy more than you intend? <laughs> so I added 32 more gig to it through a mini SD card. So it's a 40 gig system for me. And it, I'm going to turn it on. May not come on right away. Let's see. One, two, three. Because it is a tablet, it has to take time to what? Boot. So it's booting right now. Three days ago, while I was waiting for my Amazon, excuse me, for my Uber car to arrive, I was busy grabbing things and sliding them into pockets. And this thing is just, just small enough, and small doesn't describe it in my opinion. I'm so used to an iPhone that anything bigger than that seems big to me. But this is pretty much my hand span to grip it. There we go. Voice view ready. Optimizing system storage and applications. That's the voice view. Wi-Fi networks available. So as I was gathering all my things, put my stream in my front left pocket, um, put my iPhone in my shirt pocket, um, you know, just started stuffing pockets with things, because this time of year, unlike um, Kim, who has the purse that will will forever injure me every time she turns. Um, you guys know what I'm talking about. Device locked. You're walking behind the ladies and they simply adjust that shoulder strap and take out half the elevator doing it. Okay. So, so, when I go from winter gear where I've got pockets in my jacket to summer gear where I'm not wearing, po- wearing jackets, my pants pockets have to do the job. So I reached for this, slipped it into my pocket, and found I missed my pocket entirely. It hit the floor, and the screen is shattered. So I'm not going to show this to you because I'm afraid that you will touch it where it might cut you. So, But it is. Come on. Wakey, wakey. Amazon also just came out with the fire. Disconnected. Kim's fifth fire. Who owns this? Kim's Spitfire. She bought it on her Amazon account, you see. So it got labeled that. I haven't renamed it yet. Uh, plus, I kind of like the idea of saying Kim's Spitfire, you know. Two notifications. 
Location requests active. Battery 65%. Kim L. Charlton, double tap to switch profile. Kim, select profile. Saturday, showtime, U.S. Sat, Brian Charlton. And it says Charlton, doesn't it? It's spelled correctly. It's a mispronunciation. It says Kim Charles' son and Brian Charles' ton. I don't know. Maybe they know something I don't know. Kim L. Brian Charlton. Saturday, July 2nd. Showtime, U.S. Learn more. Watch season premiere now. View more ads button. Now, whoever clicked on that button that said view more ads? Does anybody ever do that? <laughs> Apparently. Unlock. I'm going to unlock it. Device unlocked. Fire launcher. Home. Recent. One of ten. Wi-Fi disconnected. Kim's fifth fire. Two notifications. Location requests active. Battery 65%. 333. Recent. One of ten. This screen reader is called um, Voice View. Voice View. So now we have... Oh, the tablet is the uh, Amazon Fire. And it comes in this simple version, if you will. For $20 more, you get more. The cameras become better. The, um, it does a Adobe quality sound. Though it only has a, a mono speaker on it. I'm talking about the headphone experience. Auditorily speaking, is better. And, of course, the, the uh, screen resolution is better and those kind of things. But since I'm using this primary as, primarily as a book reader, with this device, I can access Amazon, I can access Kindle, and I can access Bard, all on a $50 device. And that's what? F-I-R-E. Meaning reading books. The whole enchilada. This is like the Bard app that you get for an iOS device. You can get the Bard app for Android devices. Now, when you say read, read Amazon books, you mean Audible, right? I mean Audible. I mean um, Kindle. I mean Bard. I mean... Um, Bookshare. Bookshare. You know, all of those things. If, because this is an Android device. If there's an Android app, you can install it on it and use it. Now, if the app you're installing is self-voicing, then just as if you had a self-voicing program on your Windows desktop machine and you're running a screen reader, you'll have to decide, do I want to use the screen reader's voice or do I want to use the built-in voice of that particular app or program? So this is going to be a bit of a game changer. Did they put speech in just this device? No. They did the entire ecosystem. Remember, Amazon are the ones that did the Alexa. Amazon did the Fire Tablet series. And, Carl, you were saying, what else did Amazon do? I just bought a um, brand-new Amazon Fire TV to hook up next to my Apple TV, so it's no longer Apple TV is no longer the only streaming device that's fully accessible the uh, Amazon Fire TV is, also has the voice cue uh, screen reader built into it. So, there's TV, there's tablets, there's whatever you call these uh, 
voice-activated uh, wireless network appliances. Is that what you would call them? I'll call them appliances. What the heck? They're not here to shoot me. Um, all of those things in an accessible fashion are happening. Is it a perfect scenario? No, it is not. How many movies that one can purchase to view or rent on Amazon are accessible, Carl? As of now, not. Zero. He says as of now, you notice. There's nothing about January 1 in your qualifier, Carl? I, I, I don't know of any date, but I have a feeling or suspicion that things will change. He has a feeling or suspicion that things will change. <laughs> He's not under NDA, but he has a reputation for knowing things he shouldn't know. Been very helpful to have him on the committee as a result of that kind of uh, inside track, right? So, nonetheless, you're going to be seeing lots of changes relative to to these kinds of activities. Which? Oh, the Braille display. Right, the orbit. O R B I T. Correct. So. You're getting an idea of, of some of the things that's happening. We've talked Microsoft, we've talked Google, we've talked Apple, uh, we've talked Amazon. And here we are already at the end of the show. We may come back with more of the IAC workshop in future episodes, and we're also going to talk about Microsoft or Bluetooth speakers or maybe even an interesting transit app called MoveIt. But you'll have to stay tuned to find out what and when. <laughs> Main Menu is a program sponsored by the American Council of the Blind and ACB Radio. You can hear it every Friday evening beginning at 9 p.m. Eastern on ACB Radio Mainstream, and it repeats every four hours until 5 p.m. the following day. You can grab it with any internet-connected device, use the ACB Link app, grab it as a podcast, or pick up a phone and dial 605-475-8130 at airtime. If you'd like to send us feedback, feel free to email mainmenu at acbradio.org or interact with us on Twitter at Main Menu. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you again next week.